The Golden Knights play the New Jersey Devils tonight at 4 p.m. Max Pacioretty has scored 10 goals in seven games in December. Patchy on fire. Patches. Come on. Come on. You got to walk in here and oh, get the nicknames did, right. Did Let's I tell go. him myself? Yes, you did. Oh, oh pa- did. Patchy. You covered a Golden Knights game earlier this Several. year. Come on. Two. Yeah, you got to no. know it's Patches, not Patchy. Yeah, I was being facetious there. Or not facetious. I was just trying to make a joke. I hope you wrote in your story, Patchy. No, I would never be so unprofessional. Patchy said. I don't think Patchy played in the game that. <laughs> That's probably that true. That's probably true. He did. He missed a lot of time and is back and is already the second leading goal scorer on the team. <laughs> um, this is the first of a back to back. They play tomorrow night as well against the Rangers and Gerard Gallant which will be fun. And they actually play three and four because then they play the Islanders on Sunday. Uh, It is a compressed schedule. I think it's in total four road games in six days for the Golden Knights. So not a lot of time off as they send them to New York and make them play every team within, you know, 10 miles of each other and get it it all out of the way and come back. So they also, um, Matthew Barzal, the Islanders' best player who they play on Sunday, went into COVID protocol today. So they just played Boston without one of their best players. Uh, and they're probably going to play the Islanders without one of their best players. So the COVID breaks at the moment are helping the Golden Knights in terms of who they're playing. There's also a chance at some point at the moment. Yeah, that the Golden Knights all of a sudden have people in COVID protocol. There's also a chance that none of these games get played. Like we're we're getting to like a tipping point in sports in North America where it feels a lot like last year where, oh, how are we supposed to play games when everybody's out on the COVID list? Because the NBA is dealing with it. The uh, NHL has been dealing with it. And the NFL is now dealing with it too, where a lot of guys have been on, put on the COVID protocol list in the last five days. What happened? Like, uh, I'm a little, I, uh, I just got vaccinated and then I try not to pay attention to the COVID stuff as much as I can. I think that's what happened. What happened? Like, how, how's everyone getting it now? I think that's what happened. People are vaccinated and it's, yeah, I'm, I'm back to living my normal life. Okay. And I, you can still get it if you're vaccinated, yes, obviously. Yes. And, and that's that's what's happening to these yes. players. Um, I know we had Darren Millard on the show yesterday. And he said the NHL specifically, most of the teams that have had big outbreaks, they've happened like when they've returned from a road trip. So the general thought process is, hey, they go, they're on a road trip and the players are there. They're just out like, because, you know, there's yeah. not many restrictions or whatever, like there was like this time last year. So they're out and you're more likely to catch it now. So I, I think it's that idea of, yeah, I'm vaccinated. I'm not going to get sick. Even if I catch COVID, I can return to my life as normal. And if you're in the NHL or the NBA or the NFL, you're testing on a regular basis. And if you test positive, you're out. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Darren Waller did not practice for the Raiders yesterday. Technically, it was a walkthrough, so their injury report is an estimation of who would have practiced if they had a full practice. Denzel Perryman and Trayvon Mullen were also listed as having not practiced. Darren Waller's not playing again this year, is he? I don't think so. Like, we're getting the Richie Incognito situation where it's like, hey, he's close. Like, I think the report from Rich Versace on Monday was he's walking on a treadmill now, but he's not back on the field. So, like... I think I think he's done for the year. Like the he's important enough to their team that there's probably no reason to risk it. Although they still are technically in playoff contention, and I'm sure he wants to play. Um, but 
if you fall out of if you lose your your next if they lose to Cleveland and that gap widens between the the playoffs in the race and they're not in the hunt anymore you kind of question whether it's worth it or not to bring him back yeah I mean it's it's a fair question if a team's out of it granted this is the team that played Derek Carr like five days after he injured his groin last year and when they did not have playoff hopes but it just very the sense I get is that Darren Waller is not going to play anymore this year which by the way not that it's a massive deal but why didn't they put him on IR like you open up a roster spot again it's not going to really change a whole lot but like when a guy's out for three plus weeks you put him on IR and you, you open up a roster spot to use on somebody else for the time being he's just occupying a roster spot while walking on a treadmill they don't know whether or not they're tanking or they're trying to still make the playoffs. <laughs> they don't have a team concept yet, but about, I mean, they'll, they'll get close around week 17, 18. They'll know what they're about. What do you think? Major League Baseball Players Association and Major League Baseball are not expected to talk about economics of the next CBA until January. Story in The Athletic about how we're waiting at least a month, probably more until... They start talking about the actual important details of the current baseball lockout. What I thought was most interesting from the story, though, is that sources on both sides seem to believe that the other side needs to present the next counter offer or counter proposal for the CBA, which is probably not a good place in negotiations when there's not a clear understanding of who made the last offer and who needs to counter. Shouldn't that be pretty clear? Right, I would think so. Because these are professional, these are people who are just professional negotiators. That's all they do is present negotiations, right? Yeah. These lawyers, so they should know whose turn yeah. it is. But apparently they don't. According to this, the Players Association thinks, hey, we gave them a proposal and we're waiting to hear back from them. And the owners think, yeah, we responded to that. And we're just sitting here on December 16th with like, hey, what's happening, guys? I don't know, waiting on you. I... Listen, I hope not. I think we're going to end up missing games. <laughs> they they are currently going to a separate negotiation because they did nose goes, and uh, both people are arguing that they touched their nose at the same time. So once we figure that out, that's when they'll uh, they'll somebody will have to come to the table with something. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. DeAndre Hopkins will miss the rest of the regular season. He is going to have knee surgery. That could hold him out six weeks, which would mean DeAndre Hopkins, if he came back in that timeline, would be ready, maybe, for the NFC Championship game. Obviously, we've seen athletes come back sooner than expected. Uh, he could be back earlier than that in the playoffs. And we've seen athletes come back later than expected, like the Raiders' entire season. And he could miss the entire postseason. Uh, but DeAndre Hopkins on a team that has legitimate Super Bowl hopes in the Arizona Cardinals and is a legitimate piece of that offense being good, uh, potentially not playing in one or two playoff games or more than that. Uh, I think it it's interesting if you're the Cardinals because if you get the number one seed in the NFC, you get a bye and it's less important if a guy's out that week. You only have potentially have to navigate one game without him. If you win the division but don't get the one seed, that one game you have to navigate or two are both home games. But if you fall out, if you let the Rams catch you, which is entirely possible now, then you're a wild card team. You're on the road potentially for two games and having to navigate without DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's a pretty big deal. I mean, they've got other wide receivers there, but I think it's a pretty big deal in the NFC race that DeAndre Hopkins might not play in the first two or more playoff games. I I don't think it's a, a 
a huge he is a huge player and obviously he's a superstar player but if you're going to tell me that there's one position where you're going to remove a superstar from a team i'm going to say wide receiver is probably where you can patch it over the best in the short term and you can get through a game or two relying on your number two and number three receivers especially when you have a star quarterback who is improvisational and can sort of make things happen you can i think you can get by without hopkins maybe in wild card weekend or even coming off a bye in the divisional round if you have a week to prepare extra week to prepare without him i think you can get by without him the answer is running back for position that you can patch over without a star player i also think the improvisational part i feel like deandre hopkins is the best at actually helping <laughs> he is. kyler murray in that scenario that. like aj green is having a nice sort of comeback bounce back season what do they have christian kirk rondale Moore? like they've got decent weapons there but it's you know if you're, we're talking about improvisation the deandre hopkins what was it against the packers when he did the fake while the ball was in the air and fooled the defensive back like yeah, he's really good happy to move on to the to the next question here aaron the NFL salary cap is expected to be $208 million next season. It's currently 182 this year. So that is a massive jump, but it basically puts the NFL kind of back on track where they were pre-pandemic because before the pandemic was $198 million in 2020 or 2019. So basically they had a one-year dip, but this is back to the same steady climb that we had been seeing you excited for the Raiders to just spend a bunch in free agency and build a team that gets 10 wins and in the playoffs? Uh, the first half, probably. They are probably going to spend a lot of money. Are they going to spend it at the right positions and with the right players? Um, who's going to be spending it? I mean, who's, handing, who's handing out these deals? Uh, what? I don't. I, if I was a Raiders fan, I would be more apprehensive about what we're going to lock ourselves into with all this money to spend it. It is a better chance that it goes horribly wrong than it does propel you to the playoffs. I think they did. They actually did a fairly good job in free agency this last offseason. Casey Hayward was a great signing. Yannick Ngakwe, I wouldn't say great, but has been a good edge rusher. Uh, like they, they actually made some free agent signings that helped the team. Whereas in the past, it was like but, Trent Brown, LaMarcus Joyner, Tyrell Williams, who just like they didn't help the team at all. And I say also, but Ngakwe and Hayward and those type of signings those weren't going to kill you if they went wrong. If those guys were bad this year and were just washed up and over the hill and it was those, those deals weren't going to kill you. But if you go out and say, Hey, we've got a hundred million dollars to spend. Let's give it to three players and give them gigantic contracts. And then they bomb the year kind of in trouble. Who is a player that this year is having their only good season that they can make the highest paid player at their position oh, ever. that's a good question we'll have to look that up that'll okay. be exactly how we approach the offseason like period. there's a defensive tackle who's been a bum for five years but yes. he has one good season this year that will make him the highest paid defensive that is exactly tackle exactly how we'll approach the offseason that's how we'll find who the raiders sign next next question nevada quarterback carson strong will not play in the quick lane bowl he's entering the nfl draft uh, carson strong is going to get drafted. Uh, it's a considered a weak quarterback class. Uh, I, not likely a first round pick, but I guess he could have a great combine and shoot up draft boards there. But the poor quick lane bull, they're losing Carson strong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They've got, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, 
What about their uh, receivers? What about uh, Dubes? Is he is he playing in that game? Is he eligible for the draft yet? I believe he's a junior. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he's playing in that bowl game though. I can only remember him torching UNLV twice. So, yeah, he's actually he's been there four years. So he probably could have gone last. What's he doing? So it would be it's an interesting thought to have a player sit out of a bowl game because he's going to get drafted. Those are two things UNLV has not experienced in a long time. The idea of a player getting drafted and the idea of a bowl game. If UNLV made a bowl game this year, um, do you think Charles Williams would have played in it? Yes. With already 250 care or whatever it was under his belt? Yes. That would have been the crowning achievement of his UNLV career. He was here for six years? He was. Seven years? Whatever it was. He was here for a long time. A lot of losses. If they got to six wins in a bowl game, he's playing in the quick lane. Let me extend that hypothetical. What if they made a bowl game and he was an NFL draft prospect? Like he was a guy who was being talked about among the top handful of running backs in the draft. Maybe not, but I would still lean towards yes. If UNLV had had the same exact seasons leading up to it, I would still lean towards yes. I agree. I think it would have played. Because, again, he kept coming back to UNLV and experienced a lot of losses. If they had gotten to a bowl game, it would have been that... That would have been the moment for Charles Williams to savor for his entire career outside of obviously breaking the rushing record. Will Jacoby Winman play in Michigan State's bowl game next year? Uh, yes, he will. And then he'll get drafted in the third round, and I'll be fascinated to see if Marcus Arroyo claims that as a UNLV draft pick or not, because they have not had one in a decade. It's not just Marcus Arroyo. They have not had one in a decade. Coming up next, Deion Sanders. Oh, what a signing day for Jackson State. Would you like to see this game postponed? I'd like to see uh, the Browns play well versus the Raiders. Do you know anything about if you had to forfeit, would the league do that? Is I mean, people are asking that question. Just, you know, how does that work? Do you have any idea? I, I really don't. But uh, as you can imagine, our focus is on, on preparing and getting ready to, to play a big game. I do love the... Uh, when you ask a question as a media member saying people are asking that question the yeah, people you. are asking yeah. you're asking exactly. right now exactly <laughs> you're the one asking the question all right mike told me in the break that he might dis- that we're going to disagree on this <laughs> so i'm a little excited gene chizik embrace debate former coach uh of auburn he tweeted every scholarship offensive lineman at ut will get $50,000 a year with new NIL deal, not to mention the 20000 education. Americans struggle finding $50,000 jobs to feed their children. Next, it's $100,000 per player with no end in sight. Flawed system, most money wins. Is that the worst take on the internet? In, I don't disagree in the the wider scheme of paying players and making the NCAA like a basically a, a professional feeder league like i i'm i'm guessing that you are in favor of the NIL and paying the players and all that and making it completely open it's fun i don't want it why not i it just makes it boring like how's it boring because who won the G League title in any of the last five years, who won the AAA baseball championship any of the last 10 years? No one cares because they're just professional minor leaguers. The thing that makes the NCAA interesting 
is that was that veneer, that facade of amateurism that like you're playing for your school. God, you're old. And I know, I know, I know it's completely fraudulent, and that the payers were already getting paid, and it wasn't about that. But just that facade, keeping that facade up, is enough to get me to suspend my disbelief and be like, "Oh, college sports are interesting." But if you just make it like college sports are not popular because there's a facade of amateurism. This is, I think, this I think is there your, is to me a musty take. I my think friend. this is your northeast pro sports elitism showing. You, True or false? College sports is very minor, not important. Where you're from? It is. But I grew up I, in Mississippi. College sports is it. We do not care about the NFL. It's college sports. And the, the Atlanta I, Braves. And apparently the Atlanta Braves. But like it is college sports. I like the state I'm from, Mississippi, has two college baseball programs that regularly are like top five in the country in attendance. That regularly have higher attendance than like 10, 15 major league baseball teams, despite playing at like 20,000 seat stadiums or something like that. Like college sports aren't popular because people think it's amateurism. It's popular because in certain parts of the country, there are no pro sports. So you latch on to the college team and there's a lot of like tribalism. I went there. I'm going to cheer for that team. And it's on TV. Yeah, no, I understand. It's a selfish take. I, I, the players should make as much money as they can. You make as much, I'm happy for you. Selfishly, I find it less interesting. I, if you, if it's just a team of paid professionals versus another team of paid professionals, I just don't care unless it's the highest level. Like if it's if it's NBA players competing for that championship, I'm in. I want to see who wins that game. If it's Duke versus some other team and they're just paying their players openly, and it's just a, a professional minor league feeder system. I don't really care who wins that game. But is it going to change anything? Like, I'll follow it for the players and, like, oh, who's the next players that are coming along? And it's entertainment, but I'm just not as invested. Is it going to change anything? No. Fundamentally, no. And, like, nothing has changed except the perception. Like, all these players were getting paid. And, like, this was all happening before the NILs and before it's, but just making it out in the open and everything. And these players are now basically on salary. It just, it changes for me, it changes the perception. I'm glad you know your opinion is bad. I'm not saying it's my opinion. I'm entitled to it. It's but I, I'm glad you know it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying selfishly, it it's worse for me. But for no actual logical reason other than you can what? Look up a college basketball player's salary now and you didn't want to do that before? I didn't. I wanted to believe that he was playing for the pride of his school or for some <laughs> other re, some other, you know, naive reason that, you know, was all rah-rah college sports. But if you're just a pro, how did you get so old? The best the best college player is not anywhere close to an NBA caliber player like right now. Like it's it's not interesting to me. I'm just watching bad basketball at that point. I mean, I I don't disagree that the quality of the sport significantly less at the collegiate level. And than what our made up that level. gap if for if the, what what bridged the interest gap there for me and made me interested was well they're not as good but. This is college sports. Like, there's something on the line. These players are living and dying, and they're. Th- this is what it's all about. You are the only it person under like sixty that thinks that, though. Maybe, but I I can't help the way that I feel, and it's just it. It's not there yet. Like, it's this is still new, and I, I all the stuff is still new. But if you're telling me that like ten years from now, players are just you know, it's just like the pros where you're just free agents and everyone you just pay them openly and they're making salaries and all that. I don't know that I'm interested. Wow. 
But it's good for the players. Like, I'm glad that they're getting paid. Make as much as you can. You don't sound glad. You sound like you're going to boycott the NCAA tournament. No, because... I'm happy for I'm happy for them, but I'm not happy for me. I can be happy for other people. You're going to be upset because, you know, oh, Kansas spent the most money. They won the national championship again. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Like, and I know that it was that way before, like with the Blue Bloods. They won it, you know, and it's just a different form of, uh, you know, paying the players. But that's that's just what I, that's what I think. Like Jackson State just flipped a kid from Florida State. Like that just happened. That's more interesting, no? It is, but if you're if it's just, it is if there's like a compelling reason behind it. Like if Deion Sanders has got in there and did something amazing to do it, he apparently did. Great job, yeah, that's a great job. But if you're if five years from now you're telling me, oh Jackson State got the best player, can you believe it? They offered him twenty million dollars more than the next nearest team. Million. Then I'm like, oh, that's not as good of a story. All right, coming up next, Steve Sisolak joins the show. Mark, thank you, Peter. Um, it is really a pleasure to be here today and to uh, be a part of this announcement. Um, I want to thank uh, the NFL, uh, all of the owners, uh, Mark said, for putting their trust in Las Vegas. Um, it will, we'll uphold that well. Um, we are putting um, the greatest championship game on earth um, in the greatest arena on earth. And it is going to be a spectacular event. Joining us now is the governor of Nevada, Steve Sisolak. Good morning, Steve. How are you today? Good. Oh, I'm terrific. <laughs> I feel absolutely great. It was a great day yesterday and uh, excited about today. And first day of preparations for the 2024 Super Bowl. All right. You kind of called out Mark Davis a little bit. The Raiders going to be good enough to be in the Super Bowl in 2024? Hey, that's his job. And whoever's <laughs> going to be their permanent coach, I sure hope so. I'd, I'd love to see him there. We'll see what happens. But, uh, it should be an inspiration for him and incentive to get there. It's going to be a great event. I can't be, I can't express enough how exciting this is for the city. So, all right, what do you think this means as far as like a landmark moment for Las Vegas? Because obviously, the sports scene in this city has exploded over the last five or six years. Gold Knights are here, the Raiders are here, but like, what is the Super Bowl? Is this like the crowning moment? Is this like the 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 final thing that says, "Hey, this is a sports city." Well, this clearly says this is a sports city, but we got more coming. I mean, there's other sports that can be coming here. This is just Las Vegas is very, very sought after in terms of professional sports. We've got an incredible fan base, great support coming out of here, and the exposure that you get coming out of Las Vegas. And that's a two-way street. If you imagine, there's a huge economic impact, obviously, to the Super Bowl. They're saying half a billion. I think it's a lot more than that, and that's not counting gaming revenue that's going to come out of that. Uh, we're going to get worldwide exposure to hundreds of millions of viewers that otherwise have not seen Las Vegas. So you can't buy that kind of publicity. It's, it's just a great thing. Wait a minute. Who are these people that haven't seen Las Vegas? Oh, there's people overseas that don't know Las okay. Vegas. Okay. You know, our international travelers don't know Las Vegas the way domestic travelers do it. They're going to see what Las Vegas is all about. They might have heard the name, but they don't know what it's about. And they're going to sure see come February 2024. So I'm curious, what, like, what's your thoughts on this general idea that uh, Super Bowl Sunday or Super Bowl weekend every year outside of the city that's hosting the Super Bowl, Las Vegas is usually, you know, one of the most populated cities uh, in North America. A lot of people already come to Vegas for Super Bowl Sunday. So when we're talking about economic impact, how much is like the net gain, given that we're already pretty popular for a Super Bowl Sunday? Well, we're pretty popular for that day, for that weekend, you know, Saturday and Sunday, and they fly out late Sunday or Monday. 
this is going to be weeks, two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. And we don't fill. We've got 150,000 rooms on that strip in downtown. We've got to fill. And they're going to be filled with Super Bowl fans, whether they're going to be going to the uh, Legion to watch it or they're going to be watching it at one of the viewing parties. They want to watch the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. And the net gain for Las Vegas for the state of Nevada is enormous. And we've been touting this all along with the idea of building a stadium. And I know there were some naysayers that said you can't build a stadium. You know, they won't. The tourists won't pay for it. You're not going to get any pro teams here. You're not going to get any events. Well, I think we're showing them that's going the other way. It's working very, very well. All right. Since uh, the year 2000, uh, five cities have hosted a Super Bowl more than one time. And I know I'm already getting ahead of myself, but do we have reason to believe Las Vegas is going to jump to sort of that top of the list with like Miami as a city that's constantly in the rotation? Absolutely. I think when you see nobody puts on a party or a show like Las Vegas, nobody. I don't care if it's for the Golden Knights, if it's for the NFR, if it's for a CES show, a convention, whatever it might be. It's for the best entertainers in the world. Nobody puts on a show, an experience like Las Vegas does. And when you see the experience that is going to be coming out of Las Vegas in 2024, you know, I, I know that we'll be put on that permanent rotation. I know we will. We'll have multiple Super Bowls hosted at Allegiant in Las Vegas. All right. I, I know this isn't something that you decide, but maybe you can actually make it happen. When are we going to see the Lanai doors open for an actual game? <laughs> well, <laughs> a little chilly out there right now. I, I guess, mean, I, but we had some great days earlier this year. It could have been the, open Earlier in the year, I agree. Earlier in the year, I don't know why they didn't open up. And, you know, uh, you think that they would have. Uh, it's a beautiful view when you see those Lanai doors open up. But, you know, that's something that they decide upon with their, you know, uh, their folks at the stadium. And uh, they have to make that call. But the weather's certainly been nice enough a few days. Right now, it's a little chilly. I am curious what you know Major League Soccer-wise. We have heard the commissioner of Major League Soccer talk a couple of times this month. It sounds a lot like Las Vegas is getting a Major League Soccer team. Are we getting one? Yeah, I think we'll be getting one. I talked to the principals. of it. We had a couple of groups bidding to get the soccer team to come here. Uh, and I talked to the commissioner and weighed in in terms of how great Las Vegas is. I think you will see another team coming here, uh, MLS team. And I think it's just going to be another, you know, crown and jewel in the crown of Las Vegas being a sports town. So uh, one of the things that I'm curious about, because Don Garber, he's mentioned that they will have some sort of facility plan announcement in the near future. And he mentioned a mini Allegiant Stadium. We've talked to you about the A's and how there's not an appetite to, you know, increase taxes to help them build a stadium. Do you have any idea, like, if Major League Soccer's coming and they're building their own stadium, like, is, is this whoever the ownership group is, they're paying for that stadium in full? Well, I'm under, you know, I've got an NDA as it relates <laughs> to some of that stuff. Uh, the folks behind uh, MLS have got the financial resource to build their own stadium uh, and to develop a property in conjunction with it, and uh, I'm confident that they'll be able to bring that home. Okay, so Major League Soccer. Listen, they, Don Garber said it, and now what you're telling me here, I, I think it's safe to say we're getting one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to have a soccer team here, too. I agree with you. I agree with you. And you, we've got a cross-section of fans. Because you're a hockey fan, you might not be a soccer fan or a football fan. Uh, and soccer, uh, tends to, their fans tend to travel very, very well. You know, they come to see a game. Uh, so I think we'll be bringing more tourists into town, which is the whole idea behind you know, the, the Knights here and the Raiders here and the WNBA here and you know, all of these things coming here. It's going to get people coming here, having a good time, uh, extending their stay in Las Vegas, and uh, helping our economy. Keep people working, which is what we're about. Is there ever a point 
for you that you look at it and say that might be too many teams? Like, is there, do you think there's a line that Las Vegas could pass where it'd be, okay, we've got too many, we can't support them all? No. All right. I, I, I don't believe that. I, that's, that's pretty emphatic. No, I, like I say, you, it's not just the population base of Las Vegas. It's the tourists that are coming here. I mean, if you're going, these fans, you know, like the experience. If you're going to go to one away game for your favorite team, one game, you're going to go to a game in Las Vegas. That's just what happened to the Knights. It certainly happened to the Raiders. I mean, I've seen that. I've been at a Raider game when they scored a touchdown. I think it was a Philadelphia game. And, you know, the Philadelphia fans were screaming so loud. I thought that the Raiders scored. I mean, they had so many fans in the stadium. I think it does take a little bit of the home field advantage away from the Raiders, but uh, that's the way it is. Well, he is Steve Sisolak, governor of Nevada. Steve, uh, congratulations on getting the Super Bowl to Las Vegas. Thanks. You're going to see a lot more coming here, too. A lot of other announcements coming soon of sporting events coming to Las Vegas. Sounds good. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much for joining Appreciate us this morning. It. Thanks again. Super Bowl Las Vegas. <laughs> so there is Steve Sisolak on the Super Bowl. And what is, again, I mean, it's got to be one of the worst kept secrets. We're getting a major league soccer team. I mean, the commissioners come out multiple times and said Las Vegas is the front runner. They've apparently got a stadium plan that they're ready to announce. They've got the ownership group in place. And the governor of Nevada is on here telling us that he signed an NDA about how it's going to be paid for. So I, it's it's as done of a deal as I think we've probably ever had something as getting a major league soccer team here. It's going to be fun. It is. Will it, you go to a Will you go to a major league soccer yes, game? Yes, I would go. I've I've been to the uh, the lights. You've been to the lights. Yeah, game. I've been to a couple lights games. Yeah. One I worked, and one I just I went to. Wow. Look at yeah, you. I've been to aviators. I've been to just about everything around here. Your dog has been to a lights game. He has. We took when my dog Squash competed in the dog Olympics. I was dog sitting Mike's dog Lucas, and we took Lucas. He to did not. He, he did not compete in the. He, he did not. Olympics. No, that was. He would, he would have been too good. We were going for squash being, you know, he was French, there for moral support. Yeah. Yeah. Being a French bulldog trudging through the obstacle course. <laughs> yeah. Lucas is much more well-behaved than my dogs. He is, but he's not, I don't think he's a competitive show dog kind of, he's more of like, I'm just going to sit and watch this kind of dog. <laughs> so squash probably had a good time and my dog had a good time. I don't think squash is a competitive show dog either. I had to, I had to, um, Basically, hold a little treat in front of Squash's face to get him to go through the obstacle course. That'll get him to go through it, though. Yeah, it did. It did. And then, you know, we I went. I had to go through. I had to crawl through the tunnel with him. That was probably the most fun part because I tried to throw a treat into this little tunnel, and he'd run it, hoping he'd run in there and get it, and then run out the other end. But because he couldn't see the end, I think he didn't want to go in. He didn't know what that was, so I had to actually crawl in with him. And you know, it was a lot of fun. And did you win? Where did you place in this competition? All since right. you're going through oh, all the God. obstacles. I'm glad you asked. <sighs> they brought in a ringer. It was rigged. Okay. So the dogs that finished first, second, there wasn't like an official like, oh, you finished it in blank amount of time. You came in first place. The dogs that finished first, second, and third were all from some group that was there because yeah. they all had like some dog training. The, the handlers had like some dog training polo shirt on. They were all there. There were some ringers that were brought in to win this competition. Man, that's unfair. I, yeah, I meant, but I meant, where did you finish in that competition? Since you, since you're apparently crawling through the tunnel oh. and going through the the obstacles. I mean, I should. Could you have crushed those dogs if you wanted to? No, 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 no. These were ringers. They brought them in. They're, oh. they're, like they had practiced this before, no doubt about it. But I will say, I think there were about 15 dogs that competed. Squash was one of three dogs that actually did every single obstacle. 
because the majority of dogs did not run through the tunnel. Squash did not run, but Squash made it through the tunnel. He was carried by with, his owner through the tunnel. With my assistance. You know what? There's always next year. Is he is he in training now? Did he start training the very next day is for the 2022? Year? I don't know if Lights FC exists. I'll throw him under the bus. I tried to have Brett Lashbrook on the show this week. He said no. Throw him under the bus. Granted, he was at the USL owners meeting, which I think is a good sign there will be a team next year. But throwing him under the bus. Where's Lights FC? They already took my money for season tickets next year. Bring them back. All right, who's ready for some Golden Knights tickets? Oh, okay, we're doing that now. Yeah, Jared, what caller number do you want me to take for Golden Knights tickets? Because the last two days, I think I've said caller nine, and you've been like, you could have done caller 23. But I don't know how long you want to sit in here answering phones. So I'm going to let you decide. No, I, I just keep saying that it keeps lighting up and okay. the game is on the 23rd. So you I do, see. You could do R, but it's also in December. So you could do caller 12. I'm doing 23. Okay. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We have two tickets to the Golden Knights against the Kings on December 23rd. 702-364-1100 if you want to win those tickets. Caller number 23 at 702-364-1100. I'm absolutely thrilled. <clears throat> In the first SNTIC meeting that I attended, I told the, the people there that Las Vegas, you're not just getting a football team. You're getting the power and the assets of the entire National Football League. And for them to put the confidence in us this soon to give us the Pro Bowl the draft, and I think the most valuable asset, not only in the National Football League, but maybe the world, the Super Bowl, this soon is just a confirmation of what we have done so far. The building that we built is absolutely magnificent. The city is absolutely magnificent. And I'm just so excited that these things have come to fruition. And uh, it's a very, very good day for the Raider organization and the Raider Nation and Las Vegas as a whole. We're very proud of that. Congratulations to Jeffrey. He won the tickets to go see the Golden Knights play the Kings on December 23rd. Coming up next hour, Disney on Ice tickets. The Press Box Holiday Hookup on Ice. Four-pack of tickets to go see Disney on Ice and a chance to win a smart TV that is 55 inches. Uh, I know I'm a hater. We got to stop pretending like the Pro Bowl is a big thing. We got we got to stop. I know he's the owner of an NFL team. I know, but whatever. We got to stop acting like the Pro Bowl is a big deal. Yeah, that's no, it's no, no, that's yeah, that's UNLV uh, at Mandalay Bay interest levels. Yeah, like just please, no, don't, don't make people care or pretend to care about it. Now, you heard a little bit of that. Mark Davis saying that yesterday was a big day for the Raiders. He also said yesterday, when you're not winning on the field, it's nice to win off it because Las Vegas and Allegiant Stadium are going to host the Super Bowl in 2024. That didn't sit over, sit very well with Raider fans. Because if I'm a Raider fan, I don't really care where the Super Bowl is being played. I need my team to be competent enough that I can at least envision them in it in the next three years. A big day for Las Vegas as a city and a municipality to get the Super Bowl for the Raiders as a football team means nothing. <laughs> It just means that that's one day out of the year where your home field is booked for some other event. Hey, no one thought Tampa was going to go with Jameis whenever they got the Super Bowl. So Tom so Brady, we need, what we need is Tom Brady. He's got one more year, I think, on his contract in Tampa. 
That's that's what you do. Then he can come to the Raiders and take them to the Super Bowl in Allegiant Stadium. It's just, I don't know. I'm just saying, based on empirical evidence, we know how you get the Super Bowl in your hometown. I think if you go around and you poll NFL players, like, hey, they where is the Super Bowl this year? What percentage of them would know that it's in L.A. at, at SoFi Stadium? I'd say, I'm going to say less than 50%. 50? Yeah. Less than 10? Yeah. I don't... I'm sure you there. You think are, there's a Jets player that knows where the Super I'm Bowl? I'm sure is? there are some players who are gung ho and they're like, "I'm gonna. This is the Super Bowl and it's at this place on this day, and I'm gonna post it in my locker and like that's my motivation. Like I know where it is. Like I'm sure there's some pe- players who do that, and then so there are others who are just aware because they follow the sport somewhat that where it is. But I don't think that it, for the players and for the teams, it means anything where the game is located. I, I mean, I, th- I think the classic joke of. The only way that guy's going to a Super Bowl is if he pays for the ticket. Yeah. Applies to half of the players in like the AFC South. I think it's less than ten. I don't think anybody knows where the Super Bowl is. Yeah, yeah, you're probably the right. Ram- Rams players. Well, there's two teams that play there, so maybe there's two out of thirty-two teams that are aware, and then a handful of other people like Tom Brady knows where it is because. He's got to know how to pack. He expects to play in it, I guess. Like, he's he's got shorts. Am I packing packing sandals or a half zip or what am I? What am I bringing? So he's got to (laughs) know. But that's it. Rams players, Chargers players, and Tom Brady. Those are the NFL players that I think know where the Super Bowl is right now. Like when we're four weeks left in the season, those are the only ones that know. How many, if they don't play in the NFC West or the AFC West, and you told them it's in LA? Would go, oh, cool, the Coliseum. (laughs) It would be funny if there were players that didn't know that the Rams and Chargers had a new stadium. They're like, what? They play together there. That's weird. Yeah. So, Super Bowl, big day for the Raiders. It's, uh, I still think the biggest problem with this franchise is it's Mark Davis. Like, I think that's going to be the biggest issue with this team. But there's going to be turnover front office-wise. There's going to be turnover coaching staff-wise. But we have yet to see Mark Davis prove he can make a good hire, prove that he can bring in a competent GM or a competent head coach. And until that changes, I don't think there's any reason to think the Raiders, whether it's the 2024 Super Bowl or the 2034 Super Bowl, that the Raiders are going to be close to competent. The Raiders are going to be good enough to be a Super Bowl team. Let me ask you this. When it comes to Mark Davis making a, a good hire, philosophically, the, I mean, the first decision he has to make is not who to hire, but which position to hire first. Like, would you rather him hire a coach and then that, have that coach sort of hand-select his GM to work below him, or do you want him to pick, like, a GM and football czar who then handles all the football stuff, including hiring the coach Unless you're somehow like stealing Bill Belichick, I think I'm going GM first. Like I like who who are you hiring to be your head coach that you're comfortable enough to give them basically control of who the next GM is and the, the John Gruden level control? I don't know. I'm just we've seen it work in in both ways. Right. Like either way could work. And which I guess which which one are you? Do you think Mark Davis has a better chance of making a good hire? Do you think he's got a better chance of hiring a good coach or a better chance of hiring a good GM? A GM. Then I would say to let him hire the GM first. Like if whatever he's got the best chance of being successful yeah, at, probably a GM would be my guess. But and and that's again that's where I would go because how, how many coaches in the NFL like I don't know deserve the idea of hey you're more powerful than the GM right? It's less. 
10 guys and you're probably not hiring those 10 guys, right? Like you're, Bill Belichick's not leaving New England, right? Andy Reid's not leaving Kansas City. So I will say maybe don't let the offensive gurus be in charge of drafting because it sort of yes. creates bad. Yes. So there are certainly guys in the NFL that, you know, deserve like, yeah, that you want that guy to be your head coach and the de facto GM or actual GM. But I don't think any of those guys are going to be available to the Raiders. Like if you're hiring away an offense or defensive coordinator from an NFL team or something like that, who's never done it before, or even if they have done it before, you're not giving that guy full control. Oh, San Francisco did that. They hired Kyle Shanahan. He was a coordinator. They gave him full, he hired his own GM and it, he he's above the general good? manager. They made the Super Bowl. I think in general they are they have been good. Their record is not good, but yeah. a lot of They've that been is bad basically every year but the year they went to the Super Bowl. I would say that's worked out. That hire I mean, has worked out for them. It's better than what the Raiders have done. Yeah. If that's the bar we're clearing, which it is the Raiders, so that's a fair bar to clear. Yes. So if there's a if there's a younger candidate that you've identified who you th- have the vision that they could do that, but I I question Mark Davis's vision. Right. You know who's available? Irvin Meyer. Uh, no, I don't like that vision. He could be the GM and the coach. Would Daniel Carlson quit on the spot? He just signed a big extension. Like, yeah, but if he misses a kick, he's getting kicked. He better not miss a kid. Right. <laughs> On the spot. More fun, Jared, is your Lane Kiffin suggestion. Yeah, but he just signed an extension, and we know that those are, hey, when a college coach signs a 10-year deal, that is set in stone. Never leaving. Never going anywhere. It's, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in what Mark Davis ends up hiring, but I do think GM should be first. Because, again, looking at what's plagued the Raiders, it wasn't that John Gruden was necessarily a bad football coach. It's that they had horrible rosters. The rosters have been bad under John Gruden. I'd hire whoever gave you the most confidence that they can build a good roster, that they can draft well, that they can sign good free agents, they can put together a competent roster, and then find a head coach that, okay, you're going to work effectively under the GM. He's given you a good roster. You put together the team that actually wins.